James 4, beginning in verse 4 from the message, says this. You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you'll end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom. Cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious. Really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way that you'll get on your feet. I think most people in our society, probably most of you listening to this sermon here or online or wherever you are uh, hearing this, you'll probably agree that adultery is a pretty big deal. I mean, in a casual dating relationship, faithfulness is not really expected, right? But, but in marriage, it is. I mean, how many times could I have an affair this year and still be considered faithful to Rebecca? Ten times, maybe, right? No, five One time? Zero, right? The answer is zero. Uh, Absolute faithfulness uh, has to be uh, where we're at. Uh, Anything else is a breach of trust and it breaks the relationship. When you've made a commitment, when you've established a covenant with someone, and then you break that covenant, it, it causes a rift in the relationship and it's a really big deal. And James says that God sees our sin as adultery. You're cheating on God, we just read. In the NIV it says, you adulterous people. God isn't looking for someone to date. He wants a bride. (laughs) Uh, The church is described in the Bible as the bride of Christ. So if we're unfaithful to him, it breaks the relationship and it breaks his heart. If you have committed your life to following God and you've established a relationship with him and then you choose to ignore his leadership, you do your own thing, uh, you live like everyone else in the world is living, you, you please yourself first, you sin, then it's like you're cheating on him. Sin is a big deal, and we need to know that right up front. Sin is a big deal. So after James spends a couple of verses here in chapter 4, highlighting, circling, underlining that fact, uh, what a big deal it is to flirt with the world, uh, emphasizing that God is jealous for our affection, it would be natural for us, I think, to, uh, to, to kind of know where he's heading. I mean, it's all over. Adultery in marriage usually leads to separation and divorce. So uh, since sin is such a big deal and it's broken God's heart and it's like cheating on God, then it would be natural for us to assume that it causes a rift in our relationship uh, with him that cannot be undone. And yet that's where the plot turns, right? Because although sin is such a big deal, so is grace. The whole passage turns on verse 6. Uh, The NIV translation says, but he gives more grace. Grace. At the exact time when we would expect to see God's punishment and judgment, he gives more grace. 
It's, it, it's a major theme throughout scripture. Just a couple of uh, examples. Romans 5 verse 20 says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Psalm 103 verse 10 says that God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. The only solution for sin, the only solution for spiritual adultery is the grace of God. Just as in a marriage, the only way to really restore the relationship uh, if if, uh, adultery has been committed is is for the wounded party to forgive and to take uh, take back the one who was at fault. It's grace extended by by the one who who was not guilty of of an infraction. And, And now don't think for a minute though that 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 you that i want you to think that 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 this grace diminishes the weightiness of sin that's that's not what james is talking about here he, because we see up front the first part sin is a big deal it's sin is uh, is a big deal it's like cheating on god uh, so grace doesn't diminish the weightiness of sin uh, we could read this and think that okay well it's go ahead it's okay to go ahead and sin because god's just going to forgive us cuz there's this thing called grace out there and god has to forgive us right uh, sometimes I, I think we live like we're asking the question, how much can I sin and God will still take me back? Try living in your marriage that way, right? It, it doesn't work that way. The Apostle Paul addressed this head on in Romans 6. He says, uh, verses 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace can increase? And he says, by no means. In the old King James it says, God forbid we are those who have died to sin. How could we live in it any longer? James doesn't diminish the gravity of sin here in this passage. Sin is a big deal. James is just emphasizing the depths of God's grace. Even in the face of adultery, he gives more grace. Now, I know that you know what it's like to sin. Not in detail, I don't know your list of of things, but uh, scripture tells us, and uh, by experience, uh, I know that we've all sinned, right? Scripture says uh, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all cheated on God. Uh, James says that that makes us God's enemy here in this passage. In in chapter 2 in James, we saw that he encouraged us to be like Abraham, God's friend, but, uh, but, but that can't happen if we're flirting with the world. Sin not only breaks God's heart, it makes him angry because he's jealous when we sin. And, and so it might feel hopeless, like, like you're always going to be breaking God's heart uh, because you'll always sin. I mean, what, what James is confronting here is, is really nothing new. It's, it's uh, part of, of the human race ever since the, 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 the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, in the garden uh, committed that sin and we've inherited this this. Uh, this uh, inner sin that, uh, that draws us to commit sin. And, and so it just feels like, well, this is, this is just hopeless. Uh, God's people throughout history, uh, over and over again, if you read through uh, the Old Testament, you see that time and time and time again, they, they, they were adulterous in their relationship with God. He would restore them. He would move, in with, uh, move, move on their behalf, and, and they, would, uh, they would commit to following him, and that was fine for a little while, and then they would go and start worshiping other gods, and, and then he'd draw them back, and it was a big, and over and over, it's nothing new. It's, it's still difficult. And, I mean... We could also say, well, I'm kind of stuck in this and I have to, but also it's, it's kind of fun to flirt with the world sometimes, right? Uh, to follow our own desires. It, it feels, feels okay in the moment. 
And since it seems impossible to stop, why should I even try? Like the, like the woman in that video we saw a minute ago, you might think that it's useless to even talk to God about it. Because, I mean, it's just how I am. It's just, I'm, I'm not going to change. It's just going to happen. James says there's a better way. He says that we can live in a close relationship with God. He lays out some things that, that, that you and I can do, how we can order our lives in order to remain faithful in our relationship with God, not breaking his heart time and time again. Uh, it wouldn't be possible without his grace, right? He gives more grace, uh, uh, but we are also then responsible to take action and to do certain things. And so there's a, there's a list there in the second half of that passage that we read, and, and we're going we're gonna to hit on, on those things here for a minute today. One big thing we need to realize, that giving in to temptation is not inevitable. You can resist. And that's the, that's the first big word there, the things that we, we are responsible for. Verse 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The way we read it before uh, in the message, yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. C.S. Lewis, uh, in the introduction to his great little book, The Screwtape Letters, says this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an unhealthy uh, interest in them. Many people seem to have an excessive and unhealthy interest in the devils uh, as of late, books, movies, TV shows, whatever. We've we pretty much elevated the devil up there to be equal to or maybe in some senses even more strong, uh, than, stronger than, than God. We've got the, 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 the right and the wrong, the good and the bad, and, and they're kind of dueling it out, and sometimes the bad wins and sometimes the good wins. And, but but in, in doing that, then we, uh, we, we put the blame on the devil for our own evil choices. Sometimes we even cite that little excuse, the devil made me do it and I think in doing that we give him too much credit because we probably did it all on our own for the most the devil certainly is a force to be taken seriously but James says that all it takes to get rid of his influence is to resist him simply resist him push back say no the implication here is that James's audience that he's writing to was not resisting the devil. And, and therefore, they were facing all kinds of spiritual problems. We could, we could uh, you know, we, we spent a whole series on Ephesians chapter 6 that talks about how we do this and the, the armor of God that we put on in order to resist and stand strong, stand firm as the devil comes against us. But, but bottom line, first and foremost, we've got to have the, the decision that I'm going to resist. And so many times we don't even go there. Oh, it's just inevitable. I'm just going just gonna to give in. Too many of us, we, don't, we just give in without a fight. James says that if we fight, we can win. The devil will actually run away from you. Yeah, you're just that scary, right? The devil will run away from you, he says. But so many times we, I don't know, we flirt with, ah, it's not that big a deal, and we justify. Maybe you've heard the story about the hunter who went out to shoot a bear so he could have a winter coat. And sure enough, after a while, he saw a bear uh, coming toward him, and so he raised his gun, and he took aim, and he's about to, uh, uh, about to pull the t- trigger, and the bear said, wait, 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 hey, uh, why do you want to shoot me? And the hunter says, well, I'm cold, and I need a coat. And the bear says, but I'm hungry, and I need dinner. Can't we just talk about this for a minute? Maybe we can come to a compromise. So the hunter sat down beside the bear and began to talk over the pros and cons. And in the, end, in the end, 
The hunter was well enveloped by the bear's fur, and the bear had eaten his dinner. Oh, all right. When we flirt with evil, not saying no right away, we give room for the devil to work, and, and things don't end well. But if we resist the devil, James promises that he will flee. He will run away. We can resist. It is possible to resist. It is not inevitable that we will just give in to temptation and that we will sin, that we will break God's heart time and time and time again. We can resist the devil. That's our responsibility. God gives grace. He's ready and willing to forgive. We've got to resist the devil. We also, James says, that we have to stop sinning. Quit dabbling in sin, verse 8. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. In order for our relationship with God to work, uh, you and I must repent and truly turn from our sin and obey God completely. It's not enough to just talk about it. You've got to do it. There's, there's always this, uh, been this running gag in, in the Peanuts comic strip that, with uh, Lucy and Charlie Brown uh, with, the, uh, with the football. There, you see it up there. And you, you know, you've, you've seen that before. Um, they would play football together, kind of, right? She'd hold the ball, and then Charlie would run up, and right at the last second, she moves it out of the way, and he swings, and he falls flat on his back, and it's always some quick little thing at the end. And, and uh, we'd see that pop up time and time and time again. There, there was one, uh, one point, after that happened many times in the comic strip, there's... there's um, there was one where, where Lucy was holding the ball. Charlie Brown says, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And Lucy begs him and Charlie Brown says, every time I try to kick the ball, you take it away and I fall on my back. And they go back and forth and finally Lucy breaks down in tears and she says this, Charlie Brown, I have been so terrible to you over the years, picking up the football like I have. I have played so many cruel tricks on you, but I've seen the error of my ways. I've seen the hurt look in your eyes when I've deceived you. I've been wrong, so wrong. Charlie, won't you give a poor penitent girl another chance? And Charlie Brown in this comic strip is moved by her display of grief. And he says, of course, Lucy, I'll give you another chance. And he heads back to get his running start to kick the ball. And Lucy holds the ball and Charlie Brown runs up and just at the last second as he's just ready to kick it, she pulls the ball away and Charlie flies through the air and lands flat on his back. And Lucy's last words, standing over Charlie Brown, holding the football, she says this, recognizing your faults and actually changing your ways are two different things, Charlie Brown. James says here that we've got to do both recognize our faults and change our ways we're responsible for that God gives grace we're still responsible to resist the devil and to stop sinning to change our ways he's talking about sorrow for sin brokenness I mean it's pretty dramatic here he kind of gets in a in a dark place so to speak Uh, he says in verse 9 grieve mourn and wail change your laughter and your joy to gloom this isn't that we go around all depressed all the time, but in, in, in the sense that as we recognize the gravity of our sin and its effect on our relationship with God, that God considers this adulterous, that we're cheating on him, uh, that, that we recognize that this grieves God's heart and it should grieve our hearts as well. And we grieve until things are made right. And so he says, quit dabbling in sin. Purify your life.
So resist, stop sinning. But James' overarching theme here, in light of our sin and God's grace, is a posture of humility. He says to humble yourself. And that's kind of behind, uh, in and around and behind all of this. Verse 6, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It really comes down to the issue of who's in charge, who is in control. Am I in control of my life or am I submitting to God's leadership and his control of my life? A woman uh, was rummaging through her purse to find her wallet at the checkout counter at the, to pay for her, uh, her purchases at the department store. And as she dug around in her purse, uh, the, the a TV remote fell out onto the counter. You know, the big direct TV thing fell right out on the counter. And the cashier kind of chuckled and said, do you always carry your TV remote to the mall? And she said, no, but my husband refused to come shopping with me today, so... Control, right? That's that remote can, remote is all about. Uh, it's not only controlling the TV; it's me controlling the TV. One of my friends used to say that 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 it's, it's usually the guy that that wants the remote, right? And 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 we want the remote not so that we can see what's on TV, but so that we can see what else is on TV, right? And we're always always clicking through. It's not not all. It's maybe in the in the remote. It's not just men. It's it's all people, humanity. We want to be in control. It's part of that sin nature. James says that's a huge thing that has to change if we're going to live for God. We've got to humble ourselves. In the end, there are, there are two kinds of people. C.S. Lewis says those who say to God, "Thy will be done," and those to whom God says, "Thy will be done." You will not stop sinning. You will not resist the devil. You will not truly access the grace of God until you humble yourself and give up control of your life to him. One, one theologian put it this way. Human pride is the one insurmountable gr- barrier to grace. Humility is, has been defined as standing in God's presence and knowing your brokenness and your inability to fix it. And so we come broken and humble to God. We, we come to the end of ourselves. We let go of control. We depend on God. We, we trust in him. We, we obey. We recognize we're not in charge anymore. God is in charge. James uses the word submit yourself to God. There's the connotation there of surrender. We, we don't usually think positively about surrender. Uh, the surrender, that's what losers do, right? Uh, oh, I give up. You, you, I give up. And so we think, well, that's, that's negative, but that's exactly where God wants us when he, we say, God, I give up. I can't do this anymore. I'm continually uh, getting drawn into sin. I'm continually uh, cheating on you. Uh, I give up. Humble. I humble myself. I submit myself to your authority. No more fighting against God. We have to surrender to him and what he wants for our lives. I I guess what James is saying here is is that you need to throw yourself on the grace of God and trust him to do what's best in your life. He gives more grace. So the grace is there. It's ready. How do we access that? Well, we we resist and, and we stop sinning, but ultimately we're submitting ourselves to his grace, to his authority. We throw ourselves on his God, do whatever, whatever you think is right. In light of our sin, in light of our cheating ways, We don't deserve grace, but God is offering it. 
So if we resist the devil, if we turn from our sin, if we humble ourselves, he gives more grace. Maybe verse 8 gives us a glimpse of, uh, of what happens, what the, the picture of what this looks like when we do this. It says, when we come near to God, God will come near to us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's a picture of relationship restored, right? Uh, although we've cheated on God, he gives us the possibility of a restored relationship. Uh, you need to know that you are as close to God as you want to be. It's not that he's holding himself back. <laughs> he is ready. He's all in. He's ready to, to, to move in, but he's waiting on us to humble ourselves, to submit to him. The decision is ours. If we draw near to God, he's ready and willing to draw near to us. Many people say that, that they long for a close, intimate relationship with God, but they're not doing what it takes they're not taking the time and putting in the effort to do what it takes to draw near to him. Uh, we fly so fast through life. We don't make God a priority. We miss him altogether. We, we become rather friendly with the world, right? We, do, we don't hardly realize the, the, the toll it's taking on our relationship with God. We don't recognize our sin, our adulterous ways. We get further and further away from God. But sin, <laughs> sin is a big deal, James says. Thankfully, so is grace. So because of his grace and forgiveness, when you humble yourself and you draw near to him, he is ready and willing to draw near to you to restore the relationship that had been broken because of your unfaithfulness. Father God, what a, what a wonderful truth to know that you, you give more grace. Lord, I pray that all across this room and through the through the internet and whoever might be watching this whenever they are, Lord, I, I just pray that you would, you would speak your truth through your word. If there, are, there is something or, or several things that are keeping us from drawing near to you, Lord, I pray that, that you would put your finger on those things in our lives and we would repent. Pray that you'll help us to resist the devil and the temptations in our lives, that you'll help us to, to stop sinning, to purify ourselves so that you can move in and Lord, we just submit to, to you. We surrender ourselves to you today. Whatever you want to do in our lives, we ask that you would do it today. In Jesus' name.